2: he says, are being carried out by Iran.
0: There's no doubt. The intelligence community has uh,
3: lots of data, lots of evidence. The the world will come to see much of it, uh, but the American people should rest assured we have high confidence with respect to who conducted these attacks, as well as a half a dozen other attacks throughout the world over the past 40 days.
2: Mike Pompeo on Fox News Sunday. Four years ago today, Donald Trump descended through the pink marble and brass atrium of Trump Tower to announce his candidacy for president. It was the first step on a journey few believed would take him all the way to the White House. This week in Orlando, on Tuesday, in fact, the president will recreate some of that magic by formally relaunching his re-election bid. This is SRN News.
1: Dads come in all different shapes, sizes, and styles. Some are well-kept with a modern look, while others opt for the classic cargo shorts and faded t-shirt combo. Some dads are handy, fixing cars and building tree forts while others are masters of the grill who specialize in piggyback rides. Be sure to tell your dad today the traits you love the most about him.
0: You're the best! I wouldn't change a thing.
1: From AM 1280, The Patriot. Happy Father's Day. Just past 1 o'clock on this Father's Day. Again, happy Father's Day to all you great dads out there for your forecast on your day Highest 69 degrees, partly sunny skies during the day, low of 53 this evening, and mostly cloudy skies. And the best and longest running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities is right here on The Patriot. Join Mitch Burke and Brad Carlson of the Northern Alliance Radio Network every Saturday and Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. Speaking of the Northern Alliance Radio Network, The Brad Carlson Show gets started right now here on The Patriot. The following program was pre recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. And hey,
5: 1280 The Patriot. I it is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into the show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take your phone calls at 651 289 4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. That just use hashtag NarnShow. show. That's hashtag N A R N show with any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Going to get uh, started right out of the shoot with our uh, with our very first guest, uh, our only scheduled guest. You never know; guests could uh, certainly crop up during the course of the show. But for now, our only scheduled guest right now is Jason Flores. You can hear his uh, fine program every weekend from four to five on Saturdays. Four to five p.m. on Saturdays. It's Americans for Prosperity Radio. Jason is the state director of the Minnesota chapter of Americans for Prosperity talking about uh, the end of the legislative session. Yeah, I know some people are saying, well, it's old news. It ended last month, but uh, we want to kind of get caught up on what finally got passed through, what finally got agreed to, and what are the ramifications going forward. And eh, maybe we can look forward to 2020 as well. Uh, Jason Flores, always good to have you on the broadcast, sir. How are you? Happy to be here. I'm well, thank you. Now I know we had you on last month. It was uh, Sunday, of course. Yep. And it was about less than thirty-six hours before session was slated to end. And we basically, after the after your appearance, I said, "Well, Jason, we'll probably see you around the time government shuts down, June thirtieth, because <laughs> there's no way they're going to come to any agreement. <laughs> they're so as far, far apart, apart, it couldn't possibly happen. Absolutely. But then, by our surprise, that evening, all of a sudden, I was seeing breaking news about how House Speaker Melissa Hortman, Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka, and, of course, Governor Tim Walz, came to an agreement on the framework for a budget. They ended up having a special session within the week, got things passed through. Let's talk a little bit about what got through. First of all, uh, I never expected that the Democrats were willing to let go of the gas tax. That was one of the biggest points of contention. Let's start there. The gas tax. Democrats were letting that we're willing to let that one go for now. I imagine they'll be bringing it up in the Next session, uh, this was such a sense of urgency, Jason Flores. We have crumbling infrastructure. How could the Democrats let the gas tax go if that was a such a uh, uh, point uh, point of contention for them? These I mean, it sessions. was
4: the the real the first thing that Governor Wallace came out of the gate with before the legislative session even began. I mean, thirty six hours after he was elected, he was opening his transition office, talking about raising the gas tax. He ran on a gas tax, supposedly, right? Well, it didn't run on a twenty cent <laughs> gas tax, and I I think that's where the 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 rubber really met the road was. As the session moved forward, I think it became more clear that the Democrats were going to have to give up on that gas tax as a part of it because, number one, the public was against them. Uh, you had polling that came out mid-session that showed the vast majority, something like two-thirds of Minnesotans, didn't approve of that level of a gas tax increase. Mm. And you also had a problem with the way that they were talking about doing it because th- the governor wanted to raise the gas tax by 20 cents, but at the same time, he backed out all of the general fund money that was going to transportation. So you only were getting about a net 10 cents per gallon increase in actual road funding for this crisis of infrastructure that they alluded to, to then only spend half of that increase on transportation. That really, I think, was one of the final nails in the coffin that made that one of the things that the uh, governor and house leadership caved on during the legislative session. And let let me just point this out, too. I think part of the reason that the gas tax is the one that didn't get raised, and then I'm sure we'll talk about the provider tax, is one that got continued, albeit a fractionally smaller rate. Part of that is because that provider tax isn't nearly as transparent as the gas tax. Had you passed that $0.20 per gallon gas tax, everybody would have gone out the first day after it was implemented. They would have gotten that gas receipt from the gas station. They would have taken a picture of it, put it on Twitter, and said, thanks, Governor Walls," while they were sitting in congestion. Right, So the, the public outcry, the transparency in that tax would have led to a massive outcry immediately sure. following its actual enactment. And that's the way taxes should be. They should be clear. should be transparent. You should be able to see what you're paying. The exact opposite is true with this provider tax. Yes. With that 2%, now 1.8% starting on January 1st, huge reduction there.
5: Now, this was uh, – sorry sure. to interrupt, Jason, but this was scheduled to sunset after this session, well, right? Well, it should have been zero, zero. after this session. That yes. was one of the
4: wins from the 2011 session and that whole government shutdown we went through at the time Right, was that this provider tax would go – it would blink off. It would go away. And the legislature was supposedly weaning themselves off of it for the last eight years. Now, we know that the legislature never weans themselves off of anything. I think it was Reagan who said there's nothing as permanent as a government program <laughs> or a government tax. Um, so it's going to continue. And the, the biggest problem, like I was just talking about, in contrast with the gas tax – is that it's one of the least transparent taxes. Mm. 90% of people don't pay directly for their health care anyway. They have an insurance provider. They have a deductible. They have an own set of negotiated benefits and all that. So this 2% just kind of goes into the ether or goes into the black cauldron of health care expenses, gets mixed up, gets spit out on the other side. No consumer was going to be able to look at a bill on January 1st and say, oh, there's that 2%. Now, removing government-imposed costs from the system is always a good thing. Because right, there is right. no reason for government to try to make healthcare more affordable by making it more expensive. And yet that's why that same pressure, I think, didn't come to bear on the provider tax as because of the gas tax. Because it's just kind of a continuation of status quo versus that very visible increase in something that people use every day and see every day on that gas tax receipt. Now, one of the things we were talking about, of course,
5: uh, that's one of the things that Democrats were willing to let go uh, also, in addition to that,
4: there was actually a middle-class tax cut. Well, it was first tax cut in something like 20 years in Minnesota. Talk a little
5: bit about that and what that entails.
4: Well, that came out as, as part of a negotiation over the tax bill, and, and you saw, in, in general, I think a lot of the battles between the House and the Senate were on taxes and on this spending. You had the House Democrats and the governor proposing something like $12 billion in new taxes, which when we have a billion-dollar surplus just seems like the most ridiculous thing to then go back to taxpayers and ask for even more money on top. right? So right. you know, you had the, the Senate Majority Caucus, the Republican Caucus there, really pushing back against that agenda, saying we have to do more with what we have. And as part of that negotiation, um, and I would assume partly because they – gave a little bit and compromised in continuing this provider tax, they actually got the first middle-class income tax rate reduction for uh, taxpayers in Minnesota for about 20 years. So that is a win. It's a small uh, rate reduction, quarter of a percent, and yet every little bit that we can put more money back in the hands of Minnesota families, back in the hands of Minnesota f- small businesses through some of the uh, tax conformity pieces that were pushed, we've seen that tax relief work nationally where we've – put dollars back into the private sector, back into the economy. It's paid dividends, as we've seen with tax collections now in Minnesota that have been up month over month above projections. So it works when we do this kind of tax relief. And it was a very good win out of this session to actually give some of that relief to middle-class taxpayers. And another
5: important aspect, too, is they've also changed the tax code to conform to the new federal tax law, correct? That was passed about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I believe?
4: Yeah, the, the... The state version, I mean, we had to do something because the way that our tax code meshed, it would have made for a very confusing process. Mm -hmm. And it was a little too late in the game to help people out with your tax filing this year. So if you had a few extra fees, it took a little longer to do your taxes this year, hopefully some of that gets resolved in the future. The big thing that we were concerned about with that tax conformity, though, is that in the governor's plan and plans coming out of the House, they really saw that tax conformity as a way to do a little bit of a stealth tax increase on Minnesota businesses to add some of those business-to-business cost backs and just and just call it tax conformity. And really the, the tax conformity side of it was trying to make sure that the benefits of federal tax relief actually got passed on to Minnesota businesses, to Minnesota filers, and to Minnesota income taxpayers. And I, I think they did a fairly good job of that. I mean, you'll, you'll hear legislators talk about how they conform every year because there's slight tax changes every year. It's something they're say, they're gonna say is checked off, but that I think there's still much more work to be done.
5: And one of the issues that uh, people brought forth and I know you had a lot of uh legislators uh complaining about this, particularly House Minority Leader Kurt Doubt was pretty much not involved in this process. It was the two leaders, you know, one of the House, one of the Senate, and then Governor Walls, and there was a point where they were trying to get for put forth a bonding bill yep. and Kurt Dowd literally didn't even know about it until he was standing in the back of the room when there was an announcement of agreement. he say, Hey, uh, Minority Leader Dowd, any chance you could put up some of your members in the House because we need 81 votes to get for the bonding bill? So the lack of transparency, I think, really uh, was a sore spot with a lot of legislators and, and many citizens chasing Florida,
4: It's going to be a sore spot for a, a lot of people, and, and for all the calls for transparency and a better process that this new House majority promised on their way into office mm-hmm. and on the campaign trail last year, it did not come to fruition. Um, and you saw that come down yet again to a last-minute deal behind closed doors, the tribunal, as, as some people took to calling right. it, between those three legislative leaders. And look, the, the minority in the House especially is always going, no matter which party's involved, or which party's in charge, the minority's going to have a complaint, and they're going to they're talk about process and transparency. But I would take it a step farther and say that if you're not one of those two legislative leaders, you're just a rank-and-file member of either caucus, you had less input into this session and into the end of this session and into that result that you were then asked to vote for at the end. You had less input into that than any legislator that served in Minnesota in previous years because the, the committee process was gutted. The amount of time spent in committee actually taking meaningful votes was almost zero. And then wow. everything still came down to that last minute uh, behind closed doors agreement. And we've got to do something to address that dynamic in Minnesota and and to do something to address these thousand page omnibus bills where there's no way for a group like ours to go through and talk about specific votes that you took because you only took five or six at the end of the year and all of them were wrapped up in these massive budget bills. Once again we're being joined by Jason Flores, he the
5: state director of the Minnesota chapter of Americans for Prosperity. When we come back the next segment I'll talk a little bit about a uh, special uh, training session Americans for Prosperity is putting forth. If you want to get more involved in the game it takes a little bit more than social media posts uh, to uh, uh, affect change in the uh, political realm. That is for certain. And uh, we'll be back in mere moments right here. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Go nowhere.
6: Varicose and spider veins. What a gift from my mom. She had them and I got them. Not only are they uncomfortable and sometimes painful, but I stopped wearing skirts and shorts because I was embarrassed and hated the way my legs looked. When my kids asked, what are those things on your legs? That was it. I finally went to Vein Clinics of America. The doctors at Vein Clinics of America have been treating vein disease for over 35 years. They're the largest and most experienced vein treatment center in the U.S. The best part is Vein Clinics of America is coming to the Twin Cities this spring and most insurance is accepted. So if you have tired, swollen, and painful legs or suffer from embarrassing varicose and spider veins like I did, you can now get world-class treatment for your legs right here in the Twin Cities at Vein Clinics of America. To learn more about location openings, call 800-593-4411. 800-593-4411. Eight hundred five nine three forty four eleven. 4411 That's eight hundred five nine three forty four eleven. 4411
7: I'm Jan Markell, helping you understand the times.
2: Today, you stand
6: alongside the State of Israel. And by doing so, you are taking part in the greatest miracles of all times. Thank you for standing with us.
7: The rebirth of Israel is the greatest miracle of all time, and the Jewish people are quick to thank Christians for standing with them. This is the nation that was attacked within 24 hours of its rebirth in 1948. It has endured four major wars since 1948 and hundreds, if not thousands, of terrorist attacks in 71 years. Many church denominations ignore the state of Israel and insist that the church replaced her as God's chosen people. If you're a friend of Israel, thank you and be prepared for a blessing based on Genesis 12.3. For more information, listen to our weekend program on this station or anytime at olivetreeviews.org.
5: Welcome back, Game am of the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. We are here in studio, joined by Jason Flores. He, the state director of the Minnesota chapter of Americans for Prosperity. Again, you can hear Americans for Prosperity Radio right in these very airwaves every Saturday from 4 to 5 p.m. Jason always has, even though session's not going on, uh, politics still remains, that is for certain, so definitely uh, check that out every, again every Saturday from 4 to 5 p.m. America's Pro- for Prosperity Radio right here on AM 1280. Uh, Jason Flores, I was seeing uh, some banter that, uh, this past week. Of course, one of the another point of contention from this past session, one that was uh, really being bandied about, was the emergency insulin package, which right. would re- uh, allow for those patients who run out of insulin and are in, obviously, emergency need – to be provided that. That fell by the wayside this past session. There's a lot of finger pointing between both parties about who was responsible, whether it was the House or the Senate. And then this past week, Governor Waltz was asked about it, and he basically kind of threw his hands in the air saying, Well, I can't. Address this issue with uh, via executive powers, which was conveniently left out of the story at first. <laughs> was the governor's only only one who could call a special session? So that option is available, is being bandied about. Do you see that happening, Jason Flores?
4: I, I don't know if I see that special session for for the one issue happening, and not that it's not an important one. Of course, and not that yeah. it's not life or death for for some people and and for folks who. Are having concerns with getting the insulin they need. I mean, first talk to your doctor, talk to your healthcare provider. There's so much um, conversation around this that they should be able to work something out, even absent um, legislative program of some sort. But this is really a one of the most glaring symptoms, I think, of the dysfunction at the end of the legislative session right. because you had overwhelming bipartisan majorities on both sides of the in the and in the both bodies in the Senate and in the House that agreed upon this, that had this in bills, mm. that had this in omnibus bills. And then as this final budget deal was put together and that final framework was translated into all the different omnibus bills and different issue areas, it got left out. Now, you can put on your tinfoil hat and you can be conspiracy theorists and say that one side wanted to use this against the other side and there's finger pointing oh, on, yeah. on all sides as you alluded to. But the fact that we have a system now and a process that has enabled us to take a bill that passed with overwhelming majorities and then conveniently get it left out and turn that into a political football, there's enough political issues out there for campaign fodder, for attack ads, for all of that stuff. We don't need to take something like people's dependency on insulin and an emergency program to help with that and then turn that into a campaign ad. And yet, that's what you see happening, and and it's a little bit... I put fault on both sides of the aisle because, look, this happens because they're saving everything for the end of the legislative session. And when you put three people in a room, even with as much staff as those three people have, stuff is going to get missed. And when you try to turn around and do a special session immediately following your previous session to get it done and pretend that, oh, we got our work done on time. It only took a couple extra days. You're going to miss stuff the better thing to do would be to go back and revisit those House Committee rules where you actually get work done in House committees, where you take hard votes in those committees, where you pass individual bills off of the floor. This year, something only something like 65 issue bills made it to the governor's desk. 20 years ago, there were over 350 mm. individual bills wow. that made it to the governor's desk. And trust me, there's more laws being passed now They're just being crammed into these omnibus bills instead, and something as important as insulin, um, priorities that we worked on, like criminal justice reform and probation reform, other areas that have good bipartisan support, they should be moving as standalone bills early in the process to exercise that committee muscle to get those things off of the table so that you can come back and just have that fight over those controversial budget
5: pieces. And I'm glad you brought up the the committee aspect of this because I remember during the Sunday evening press conference, just a session was at about 20, a little more than 24 hours remaining. uh, House Speaker Hortman basically sounded like it was a formality fait accompli. Oh, yeah, you know, the committees just need to get their work done, get the reports turned in, and then once that happens and we'll get the special session called and be good. And from what I'm hearing from you, Jason Flores, it sounds like they were very ill-prepared because a lot of committee reports weren't getting
4: turned in as was expected. Well, you have so much. I mean, these bills are massive. Right. I mean, hundreds of pages. We had a, a, the largest bill in the history of the Minnesota legislature passed earlier this year, that first draft version of the HHS omnibus bill, over 1,000 pages long. Mm. That's just a lot of cutting and pasting based on this final negotiating that nonpartisan staff has to do. So there's there's a lot of work and a lot of opportunity for mistakes to be made, even innocent mistakes to be made. And then to ask legislators to put these bills together in the span of just a couple of days to include everything that they're supposed to according to the deal and nothing that they're not, and not slip anything in or play into these political games—that's another ask. Why not give them the time, get these, put these deadlines in place and stick to them? Then give the committees time to actually debate. What's going in them? Look, I understand the need for compromise, and I understand the the need for a framework deal over the top of all this at the end, but you have to do that in the open, not behind closed doors. And you can't, if if I was a rank and file member of either caucus in in the legislature, I would be furious after this process because you came out of a closed door and you told me in the democracy that we have what I need to vote for to end this session, but where was my input? Where's my chance to talk about that, to make my point, and to represent my constituents in that committee process? It never happened. Once again, we've been
5: joined by Jason Flores. He the state director of the Americans for Prosperity Minnesota chapter. And again, Americans for Prosperity Radio can be heard every Saturday from 4 to 5 p.m. And they replay the show throughout the weekends. I know when I come in uh, on Sundays, I hear it, I uh, think, around uh, 11 o'clock, noon maybe, that, that it's replayed. So uh, right. You can
4: always catch it on our uh, our website as well. We uh, put up a blog post and have the podcast available there as well. And oh, fantastic. Go to the station's website, and you, you can subscribe to the podcast right there. And that way, if you are busy on the weekend, you can catch it during the week at your convenience. I would definitely recommend
5: that, no question about it. We do have about five minutes left in this segment, so I do want to get to... Uh, something uh, that uh, Americans for Prosperity uh, Foundation office is putting on. Uh, an event coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, Grassroots Leadership Academy. Now, I know a lot of our listeners, they like to get involved in the grassroots level, may not uh, understand how to get involved. Some may be laboring under the delusion that if you post a bunch of uh, articles on social media, that that's going to change hearts and minds. And that's really doesn't happen that way. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. So it's going to take a little bit more rolling up the sleeves and getting out there. And in order to do that, people need to have the tools. And this grassroots leadership academy, Jason Flores, I have a feeling, could probably equip people to uh, get out there and be – Productive activists. That's
4: right. That's one of our core missions as an organization is to give you as a listener, as an active citizen, as somebody who's concerned about the future of this state and of our country, we want to give you the tools, the education, the resources that you need to not just have a Twitter war, to not just throw the brick at the TV when you're upset and not just to fume (laughs) in your car when you're listening to talk radio. uh We want you to be able to do something about it. We, We have a process in place where our legislators will respond to grassroots pressure. They do want to hear from you. As much as we complain about the Look process. the gun
5: control bills. Remember the uh, Democrats saying they had 90% uh, support? Didn't get passed. They
4: all well, due to a lot of grassroots activism. And, and part of that, they, them claiming that they had that support or claiming that they had a, a certain mandate coming out of the, the previous election based on that election result, but then not being willing to take those single issue up or down votes on those issues because they know that in many cases the public wasn't there with them, especially on these billions of dollars of tax increases. That's why it's so important that you as a listener make your voice heard. And our grassroots leadership academy is really designed and set up to make you better at doing that, um, to take, you may have been involved in a campaign. You may know your legislator. You may take some action during the course of a session, but what if you wanted to amp that up? What if you wanted to do more and be even more effective? So we're, we're taking what used to be a six-week course, and we're putting it into a week weekend boot camp style, of course. Oh, so a wow. Friday night into Saturday, it'll be uh, June 28th and 29th at our office here in Burnsville. All this information, by the way, available on our website at americansforprosperity.org. But we're going to go through um, conversations, and, and this isn't a, a lecture. This isn't a sit there and, and learn stuff. This is hands-on, um, getting better at the the art and the work of activism so sharing your story building a business plan taking stock of how to build community around the issues that matter to you because whether it's an issue that's of core importance to us at americans for prosperity or one that's important to you as an activist we just want you to make your voice heard we want you to get better at doing that we want you to uh, look at your community the people around you and be better at getting them involved and sharing the why of the story that you're involved. We're going to talk about fake news and how to sort the wheat from the chaff there and, and get to reliable sources and make sure that you're not falling for some of these scams. Right. right. Uh, we're going to talk about sharing your story. We're going to talk about impacting the legislature, building a community, a business plan, all of these things that go into real rubber meets the road activism. We're cramming it into about 12 hours of instruction time. Um, we'll take a couple of breaks. We've got food for you, but it's an intensive weekend. We'd love to have you join us.
5: Okay. Uh, The listeners have uh, heard you promote this, Jason. They're probably saying, okay, I'm sold. Sounds good to me. Uh, Where do they sign up? How do they get involved? Uh, Because like you said, it's coming up
4: a little less than two weeks. That's right. Two weeks uh, from today. Go ahead and visit our website, americansforprosperity.org. Right there in the center of it, you can click on the Grassroots Leadership Academy registration link. Sign up there. The class is free. Uh, Not because it doesn't have value. It's free because we're going to ask you for your time, for your attention, for your effort. In this process. So there's a cost. Oh, sure. But there's not a monetary fee to attend the class. It's also a great chance just to connect with activists from around the metro area, people who share the concerns that you do, whether you're listening to this program or our program, you know the issues we're working on, the things that you care about. It's a great chance to build that community. Get in touch with folks from around the metro that share those concerns.
5: Once again, go to AmericanServeProsperity.org, dot org. That's right, dot org to get more information. And uh, obviously, be sure that you're checking out uh, Americans Prosperity Radio again. Can't emphasize it enough. Saturdays from four to five p.m. right here on these very airways, AM twelve eighty The Patriot, and you can also go to am twelve eighty The dot com. Click on podcasts. All of the AFP uh, uh, broadcasts are right there. Your one stop shop for. Uh, all of your podcast needs, that is for sure. Uh, Jason Flores, always a pleasure to be joined by you. Thanks so much, sir. Uh, uh, on the off chance, we do have another special session. We may be calling on you again. Who's <laughs> to say? Uh, you just never know what's uh, what happens in the state. We appreciate your time as always, sir. Happy anyway. to be here for you. AM 1280, of the Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. It is me, Brad Carlson, back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. <laughs> Don't miss Sandvold Financial Group's Money Talks radio show, here every Sunday morning at 9.
6: Securities offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Sandvold Financial Group is in Minnetonka, 952-544-2837. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. It takes a lot of courage to face your own death, but I'm glad I finally did. See, I was putting off getting life insurance to protect my family, even though I knew it was important. Then my neighbor's husband died. I watched her struggle emotionally and financially. It really made me face reality. If my husband died, how would I pay the mortgage, the car payments, or keep up the life the kids and I had? I realized I needed to get us life insurance right away. So I called AIG Direct. In less than five minutes, I had a quote. I was shocked at how affordable it is. Just $14 a month for $250,000 of term life coverage. I feel so much better knowing my family has
7: protection.
0: Call AIG Direct right now for a free no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you can save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-458-3263. That's 1-800-458-3263. 1-800-458-3263.
7: Across America, it's snoring season. 90 million Americans make this sound every night. If you have a blocked or narrow nose, you're more likely to open your mouth to breathe, causing snoring introducing an ingenious Australian invention called Mute. Mute is a comfortable nasal device that helps you breathe more easily through your nose and snore less. Put snoring season to bed, America.
0: For more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more. Snore less. Sleep better.
4: Offer not valid in all states or where prohibited by law. Loans are subject to lender approval. See website for details. Need cash now? One of the nation's largest personal loan networks, getcash.com, is the place to go when you need money fast. All you need is a checking account and a regular source of income. And you could get up to $5,000 discreetly with your computer or smartphone in as little as 24 hours, regardless of your credit history. Get the cash you need fast. At getcash.com. That's getcash.com. Getcash
1: Need a roof? JTR Roofing. Need siding? JTR Roofing.
6: How about windows?
1: JTR Roofing.
6: The name's not big enough. It should be JTR Roofing, Siding, and Windows.
1: They'd rather have
0: a name that's too small than a price that's too big. For a free estimate, go to RoofWithJTR.com. That's RoofWithJTR.com. son, there'll be peace when you are done. Lay we
3: had to rest. Don't you cry no more.
5: Welcome back, AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. With me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into the broadcast. And once again, we appreciate Jason Flores for joining, joining us. Always very informative stuff we get from Americans for Prosperity. Again, Americans for Prosperity org. Want to check out their fantastic website and all of the phenomenal work that they do. I've got I've got a good number of friends that are working for AFP Minnesota now. So that's. Uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun to know people, that's that's for sure. So I wanted to get to some uh, the big news items from the past week. want to stay a little local here. Local, not loco, L-O-C-O. Local. <laughs> I have to enunciate. No, we're not going crazy here, not quite. I want to stay with some local news. Uh, Representative Ilhan Omar. It seems like I I could probably do Ilhan, Representative Omar's bad week every week on this show. Because there's always something coming up. And what's amazing to me is is I was reading some news stories and there was one that emphasized, you know, despite only being five months into her term, I'm like, Mike, is that five months? Literally, it seems like five years. It's ser- with everything that has been going on surrounding first her candidacy, but then after that, one her tenure in the in the United States House of Representatives, uh, you know, first of all, Many of you probably know who she is. She first was a Minnesota state representative, was elected in 2016, served her term there, and then when Keith Ellison decided to run for attorney general in 2018, Ilhan Omar then stepped up and became the Democrat candidate in Congressional District 5, where she was overwhelmingly elected. I mean, CD5 is one of the bluest congressional districts uh, in the United States. So once Ilhan Omar became the Democrat candidate, It was a fait accompli. She was going to be the next congresswoman. And the thing that was being touted is that she was well on her way to becoming the first female member of Congress. And actually, she shares that distinction with Rashida Tlaib, who is a Democrat out of Michigan. So regardless of what you think of her politics, it's been a very compelling story. She uh, was the first female representative, Muslim representative, I should say, female Muslim representative in the Minnesota House and I believe maybe in all of the legislature, all state legislatures, I'm not 100% sure, but for sure in the Minnesota House, and of course in the U.S. House, her and, again, Representative Rashida Tlaib from Michigan had the distinction of becoming the first female members of Congress. And as a result, you had these diversity-obsessed leftists often dismay, or dismiss, I should say, any criticism of these two as racist, misogynistic, or Islamophobic. But in fact, these two, these two freshman reps, they are so insulated from critiques that it was suggested using Omar's own words against her is tantamount to inciting violence because people would hit hit back at her with their own words. Okay. The most infamous one was where she referred to 9-11 as just a bunch of people did something. And to be fair, the context of that was she was talking specifically about civil liberties about because a bunch of radical Islamists uh, committed these atrocities that all of a sudden our civil liberties were to be eroded. You know, all people who were of the Muslim faith. And that's that's an excellent point. And I concur, but to just dismiss it as, ah, a bunch of people did something. Um, yeah, it's obviously a little more complicated than that. And when people criticized her on that point of her speech— they were saying, well, she's having threats against her, you know, all these, uh, you know, uh, but that's inciting violence. And I, I really don't have a lot of time uh, for for leftists to be all indignant over this particular issue, over words being used to incite violence, because we recently had the two-year anniversary of a Bernie bro that shot up a bunch of Republicans on a baseball field. You remember that a couple years ago? There was this uh, gunman who shot a bunch of Republicans, shot at a bunch of Republicans who were going through a baseball practice. You know, they were getting ready for the congressional baseball game. And it was because he didn't like their politics. Well, leading up to that, you remember that was the summer where Republicans were talking very seriously about repealing Obamacare. And they had already, I think at that point, passed a uh, repeal version of the American Health Care Act, essentially repealing Obamacare through the House. And so this Bernie Burrow was set off by it and started shooting these Republicans. Well, Bernie Sanders had been talking about how millions of people will die under the Republican health care plan. And so if you want to make a if, if we're going to use the Democrats logic on this, well, Bernie's rhetoric inspired this gunman to shoot at a bunch of Republicans. Okay, now. For the record, Bernie Sanders isn't responsible for this nutbag, but it works both ways. If Republicans are going to criticize Ilhan Omar over the words she uses and use her words against her, all right, any threat she received, while very inappropriate, I don't think you can hang around people. I don't think you can hang around that around the necks of the people who criticize her because she's very much open to criticism. Well, I bring all this up to say that when you've lost the Star Tribune as a leftist, uh, you've lost. And. The Star Tribune editorial board, which is insufferably leftist, actually called out Ilhan Omar uh, this past week. I'll I'll read a little bit and maybe interject my comments, in, uh, intersperse my comments as I read it. Uh, U.S. Representative Ilhan Omar is back in the news again and not in a good way. Uh, just an aside, when has she been in the news in a good way? Except when glorified by leftists because they're all obsessed with diversity and symbolism over substance. <coughs> I digress. Uh, the former state representative who won a seat in Congress last fall continues to be dogged by past missteps, this time eight violations of Minnesota campaign finance law that will cost her nearly $3,500 in reimburse, reimbursements and civil pa- penalties. So complex were the allegations that the, campaign, the state campaign finance board spent nearly a year assessing the case, deposing staff people and former staff people, along with Omar herself. The investigation was broadened in October, just a month after or excuse me just a month before her election to congress to look more deeply into the allegations board executive director jeff sigurdson said that between 6 and 8 people were deposed separately in an october 2018 editorial we called on omar to be more to more fully explain her travel and other expenses we noted that the allegations suggest a pattern of carelessness and or self-dealing with legally restricted funds Neither conclusion inspires the confidence voters deserve to have in someone they send to the U.S. House to represent them. Uh, Just an aside, she was running a U.S. House in Minnesota CD5, which, again, is like a D-plus-22 district. So even if that matter somehow had been resolved before the election, you know, unless there were, like, criminal activities which would have subject her to jail time, she still would have won handily. In fact, I dare say even if she had gone to jail and her name stole them in a ballot, she'd have won handily. I mean, that's basically CD5. You have a DFL next to your name, you're going to get elected. Uh, it is even more disturbing, therefore, to learn that among the board's latest findings was a troubled discovery that is far beyond its jurisdiction, but worthy of greater scrutiny nevertheless. Omar, for two years running, filed joint tax returns with a man she was living with, but not legally married to. Complicating matters further, she was legally married to another man at the time. It's against the law in Minnesota to file jointly unless one filer is legally married to the other. Last year, Omar told the Star Tribune that she had married her partner, quote, in her faith, quote, and had earlier divorced her first husband, quote, unquote, in her faith. That's fine for religious purposes, but for tax purposes, only civil marriages qualify. It's not known whether she benefited materially by filing jointly. That is something that voters who are obliged to follow tax laws, no matter how painful, are entitled to know. And again, true, but irrelevant. As I just said, whatever name is next to DFL gets minimum 65% in that district, and I highly doubt that would have adversely affected her election prospects. In fact... Mitch Berg and I like to, to joke on these airwaves often that a uh, wind-up set of chattering teeth could run as a DFL or in CD5 and still get about 55% of the vote. Uh, continuing with the editorial, it's not too much to expect that a lawmaker would check with a tax attorney on a rather complicated marital status before filing. And when questions arise, it's a violation to use campaign funds to clear up those personal issues, as Omar apparently did. The campaign finance board has ordered that she reimburse her campaign $3,469 for violations related to her tax returns and non-travel non-campaign travel costs. She must also pay a $500 civil penalty. Omar is no stranger to controversy. As a new state house member, she collected $2,500 in speaking fees, 2,000 from Normandale Community College and 500 from Inver Hills Community College for appearances made shortly after she took office, Representative Steve Driskowski, who publicly noted that state law prohibits legislators from collecting such fees from the groups that have business before the legislature, made that public, and Omar returned the money. Whoa, 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 whoa! Representative Driskowski called her out on this—that she illegally accepted speaking fees after she was elected to the legislature. Whoa, what's with that? What's with that in in leftist book? That's incitement. You point out egregious errors that somebody commits with their campaign funds and illegally collecting speaking fees? Ah, that's equivalent That's equivalent to whipping up the mob, don't you know, according to leftists. 651 is the number to call. You can also use hashtag NarnShow, hashtag NARNShow for any comments or questions. Brad Carlson, The closer, are back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. It takes
2: If it works, they will send it to you automatically. If it doesn't work, tell them not to send any shipments, and it's as simple as that. It is all at relieffactor.com. I've been using it for years now, relieffactor.com.
7: According to a recent Varna study, schools are seen as a negative influence on faith formation. Church leaders view parents, churches, and Christian communities as positive influences on a child's spiritual life. However, children are spending most of their daytime weekday hours at school, which is perceived by many church leaders as a negative influence. A good Christian school can provide a strong Christian community to help positively influence your child's spiritual formation. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, we believe in the power of Christian education so much, we have partnered with local Christian schools to offer half off your child's first year of tuition. It's our half-off tuition program. To find out if the school you are considering is part of this program and to take another great step in your child's faith formation, call me, Alyssa Brecken, at 651-289-4406. That's 651-289-4406. Or visit our website at TwinCitiesTuitions.com.
6: Message and data rates may apply.
3: Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat, just stop? This isn't 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, can give you your real natural hair back permanently. They're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to everyone who texts SAVE22 to 85850. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. You wash it. You cut it. It's your own, real, naturally growing hair. And the best part, Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let them show you, for free, how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text SAVE22 to 85850. That's save two two to 85850.
5: Welcome back, AM 1280, The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. It is me, Brad Carlson. One final segment this hour. Thanks as always for tuning in. As I am closing out this weekend's edition of Northern Alliance Radio Network Programming, you can catch my friend and colleague, King Banyan, on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. It's the King Banyan Show, Saturdays from 9 to 11 a.m. And my friend and colleague Mitch Berg in these very airwaves, AM 1280, The Patriot. Saturdays, 1 to 3 p.m. He is the headliner edition. I am the closer, closing out weekends Sundays, 1 to 3. And always we, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. I'm going to pick up where I left off reading this Star Tribune editorial on Ilhan Omar. Uh, the editorial board called her out saying she needs to get a lot of these issues cleaned up and be a little bit more transparent so that her constituents have some more faith in her uh there's been some fines levied against her for misusing her campaign uh her donations that she received as a state house member for personal use. She also received speaking fees uh at different community colleges after she was elected to the legislature, and these community colleges had business before the legislature and oh yeah, there was also a little matter of uh filing a joint tax return where she claimed on that tax return that she was married to one one individual but, in actuality, married to another. So, yeah, some sticky wickets that she's in, but uh, she's still got uh, pretty well full support from her far left-wing base. That's that's for certain. Uh, I'll continue with this. Uh, Star Tribune editorial. If this pattern continues, further investigation may be necessary. Omar could have avoided nearly every infraction by taking simple measures in advance to determine whether her actions would pass legal muster. In its findings, the board noted that Minnesota House research staff did explain that generally when they discuss whether a member can accept something of value, for example, travel and lodging reimbursement, they discuss whether that would violate the gift prohibition, but do not advise, rather they commonly refer members to the board. The Omar committee did not contact board staff on the appropriateness of using committee funds for the travel reviewed in this investigation. Omar's political rise has been marred by a series of unforced errors, including intemperate remarks and tweets earlier this year that were widely perceived as anti-Semitic. Every month seems to bring a fresh problem. Uh, Well, it took to the second to the last paragraph. But Omar's blatant anti-Semitism is finally referenced. I mean, it's disgraceful that it's almost a footnote to her financial troubles. I mean, yeah, the financial stuff, the financial troubles, I'm not dismissing that at all. But this idea that it's somehow a bigger issue than her blatant anti-Semitism, especially since she represents a city, St. Louis Park, where a significant portion of Minnesota's Jewish population resides. Okay? But... This is talking specifically, and, and by the way, just as an aside, you have progressive legislators like uh, Minnesota State Senator Ron Latz and Representative Ryan Winkler, both calling her out on Twitter at the height of these uh, anti-Semitism uh, Semitism controversies that she's had, okay? And newly new Congressman Dean Phillips, you know, who represents CD3, he, he of the Jewish faith, uh, very critical of Omar's remarks, all right? When you have members of your own party that are recognizing this as a problem, uh, it really need to get your arms around it. So I'll read the final paragraph of this editorial. As an elected representative for Minnesota and one of the first Muslim women and Somali refugees elected to Congress, Omar is helping to break new ground. But more is expected of her than the symbolism attached to her victory. Omar has a special obligation to be worthy of the trust so many have placed in her, including many still new Americans who expect better. And that really nailed it right there. Because Omar's candidacy, in my opinion, was always long on symbolism, which, you know, they brought up she could potentially be the first Muslim female in Congress, which, again, her and Representative Tlaib were together, the first female Muslim members of Congress. And Omar was obviously the first female Muslim member of the Minnesota House. And I I don't know if any other state legislators legislatures have had that. I, I imagine some have. But for here here in Minnesota, yes. That that much is true. So again, her campaign was always long on symbolism, but but woefully short on, on substance. I mean, you know, she's far left progressive. I mean, you just embrace any government expanding program you can. There doesn't have to be a lot of nuance to it. There typically isn't any nuance to it. You know, it's just expanding government but unfortunately electing such a candidate often leads to horrible policy ideas and resounding blunders which um hmm come to think of it like <coughs> alexander cortez <coughs> excuse me bad cough there anyways so this is all really uh, become to the for- come to the forefront of her issues these financial dealings campaign finance violations and this was something that was talked about during her run for Minnesota State House. I believe it was our friends at Alpha News, a you know friend of the broadcast, Preya Sampsondar, when she worked for Alpha News, brought this to the forefront that there was allegations that she you know mar- uh, married her brother in order for him to have citizenship, gain citizenship in this country, and so now these questions about the shenanigans surrounding your marriage aren't going away. Because of this particular issue, where she was married to someone, in she was married to someone else, but claimed someone else as her spouse, a different person as her spouse on her tax returns. So that's opening up a whole can of worms, and there was uh, Blois Olson at the uh, at uh, Morning Take. Uh, it's a it's a uh, daily uh, online publication that uh, I'd I'd highly recommend. Uh, he obtained uh, an email let me see let me bring this up here uh, so he obtained a- an email from uh, Omar's crisis team which can you imagine uh, a busier outfit than Ilhan Omar's crisis team at, at this point in time uh, they were talking uh, there were some emails uh, via powerline blog uh, from Omar. Il- from Omar's crisis team, and it was discovered in the investigation into her campaign finance violation case. And the details were that uh, Ben Goldfarb, who apparently heads up this uh, crisis team, suggested that someone reach for an off-the-record and shut it down via an off-the-record conversation when referring uh, to Morning Take and Blois Olson after we linked to a story questioning Omar's uh, status in Powerline. And, again, you can go to uh, Morning Take and find that. So here's the email. I'll read it verbatim. This is from August of 2016. So it was in the midst of our Minnesota State House campaign where Ben Goldfarb asks a bunch of folks, uh, does anyone on the team have a relationship with Bloys, Bloys Olson? Uh, Someone should probably reach out to talk off the record and shut it down as we do with the Strib. Whoa. Wait a minute. So the ins- if you read that sentence, someone should probably reach out to talk to Blois Olson off the record and shut it down with him as we do with the Strib. So the insinuation here is they talk to some writers, journalists with the Star Tribune, and have them shut down stories that could potentially be damaging To Ilhan Omar, in this case, in this situation, her Minnesota State House campaign, because this was in the midst of the controversy of, you know, did she or did she not marry her brother in order to in order so that he could have citizenship into this country? So that's quite an accusation. Now, again, there were a lot of journalists on Twitter I saw hitting back at this, saying, well, you know, well. uh people reach out to us all the time when we're about to run a story we want to get their comments on the record and when we tell them the kind of the outline of our story they are they, they often try to get us to shut it down or 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 temper the criticism or or whatever or lighten it up a little bit and that's we always dismiss it out of hand this this happens all the time people are are constantly asking us to to shut down stories well yeah no one denies that you're probably asked to shut down stories that could be potentially embarrassing to the political candidate whom they serve or for whom they work but this idea that you have actually that this crisis team has got stories shut down because again that's what exactly what this sentence says it says someone should reach out to talk to Blois Olsen off the record and shut it down with him as we do with the strip now is that insinuating that you try to shut down stories with the strip or is this implying as many can as many might read it that hey we've shut down stories with the strip before let's try the same tactic with boys olson okay i mean i'm not going to try to be clairvoyant and try to ascertain what ben goldfarb means in this in this email but like i say the way it's the way it's sentenced the way they it's uh, written you could argue that they have had stories that were coming through the strip that could have been potentially damaging to omar's campaign that they got shut down so that's definitely how I read it. Oh, what a quagmire. We'll definitely uh, keep an eye on it as uh, as details uh, expand. Ladies and gentlemen, Hour number 1 in the books, Hour number 2 coming up in mere moments right here AM 1280 the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere.
8: Turn all of the lights on over every-
6: Varicose and spider veins. What a gift from my mom. She had them and I got them. Not only are they uncomfortable and sometimes painful, but I stopped wearing skirts and shorts because I was embarrassed and hated the way my legs looked. When my kids asked, What are those things on your legs? that was it. I finally went to Vein Clinics of America. The doctors at Vein Clinics of America have been treating vein disease for over 35 years. They're the largest and most experienced vein treatment center in the U.S. The best part is Vein Clinics of America is coming to the Twin Cities this spring and most insurance is accepted. So if you have tired, swollen and painful legs or suffer from embarrassing varicose and spider veins like I did, you can now get world-class treatment for your legs right here in the Twin Cities at Vein Clinics of America. To learn more about location, openings, call 800-593-4411. 800-593-4411. That's 800-593-4411.
8: Once upon a time, many years ago, customers would find your business with this big, thick book full of phone numbers and competitors' phone numbers. It was a heavy, <laughs> cumbersome, yellowish-looking thing. I believe they called it a phone book. You'd place your ad in the book and hope customers would call. Hello? We've come a long way. Now, there's Salem Surround. We help deliver customers right to your front door with targeted digital marketing. These are the tools of the 21st century smart businesses used to succeed. And our team at Salem Surround can guide you through all the available options with the expertise to manage all your digital marketing under one roof so you can spend time taking care of your customers get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue with salem surround there are no limitations on how and where you can reach customers total market penetration for increased roi learn more at surroundmsp.com.
1: Surroundmsp.com. connecting you with new customers We are there, day one, with baby names and a
3: gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov.
6: Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. AM
0: 12...